Well, look, we are, uh, we're excited. We're in the, the month of January, which is always a good time for everybody to start some things. And, and by now, probably already have finished them or failed at them. So, uh, so we're already back down to reality by now, which is good. It's good. I'm, I'm a very realistic person. I, I, I like things to be bare bones, just reality. So now we're, we're over the holiday high. We're over all of the things that we're not going to do. And now we're realizing who we really are, right? Which is just as disappointing as it was two weeks ago. So... Here we are, ready to go. And, and this month, the, the series that we're in is Legacy. And we're really looking back at the past, looking at the present, and also looking forward to the future. And in case this is your first time here, or maybe you are newer, you've only been here for a couple of weeks, uh, we've had some, some really exciting things happen in the last uh, month or so. And uh, our lead pastor for the past 27 years, Van DeCody, my dad, sitting here right in the front row, uh, he's been our lead pastor for 27 years. Uh, he actually transitioned out of that, that role as lead pastor and uh, transferred that to myself as, as lead pastor here at Northwood Church. And so, uh, so we're in a big transition right now. Yeah. And uh, so it, it's, it's been in the works for a while. Like we didn't, we didn't just decide like three weeks ago, you know, I think we'll do this now. It's been kind of something that's been in the works for a while. And, uh, but, but what's so cool about, about this time is it's such a, it's such a transition of, of generations, right? It's something that we see in our nation right now. If you don't see it then you're not looking, you're not paying attention. There is a, a, a transition from roughly from the baby boomer generation uh, passing on to, to Gen X and, and the millennials. And, and so last week we talked a lot about what those transitions look like and, and how one, tra- uh, one generation has to hand things off to the next and release it, am I right? And, and you guys know that sometimes that's not the easiest thing to do is to release things properly. But then it's just as important that the next generation would, like, a, like a, a relay race, that they would receive that, grab a hold of it, and begin to run. And so that's where we're at. Really, I see it in our nation. Many, many churches all over the nation and even the world right now are going through transition and succession. And so, uh, so it's actually very exciting for people who like change and like transition. It, it's like, all right, this is cool. You know, for people that like the other 90% who hate transition and hate change, you know, they're in the corner, like fear in, uh, on, uh, what is it? On, uh, uh, what is it? Inside out. Ariana was watching that. It got stuck in my head. You know, fear in the corner, like oh, transition. I don't like transition. Although transition is part of life. Am I right? I mean, change is constantly taking place. And so when we look at legacy, Really, when you talk about legacy, you're talking about uh, a one generation that has, has done it right and they have, they're handing something off to the next, all right? That's one of the key components of it. And that's what we're doing this week is uh, we're gonna be looking at that. And, and like I, I kind of set up last week, we're gonna be looking in the book of Chronicles and looking at the story of David handing off the kingdom of Israel to his son, Solomon. And, uh, and all throughout the scripture, you will read and you'll learn about transition. God is a God of generations, that, that's his plan. God's plan. You read the Bible, you can't go very far without seeing him say, and then your kids, and then their kids, and then this generation, and that generation, and, and, and you'll be fruitful, you'll multiply. From the beginning, it was God was all about growth and, and, and transition and really leaving a legacy for our kids. And that's where we're at right now. The thing I love about Northwood Church and the thing that we're leaning into even more is the fact that we've got every generation represented here at this church. This isn't a young church. This isn't an old church. We're a church, okay? We're, we're like a, a slice of our culture, okay? And I think it's so important. Last week, I told you, um, I said to, you know, to the older generation, which I'll let you decide what that means, whatever age that is, where you consider yourself to be older. Um, 
Like this church needs you, okay? This church needs you. We need gray hair in this place and white hair or no hair, depending on how it plays out, okay? <laughs> right, yeah, thumbs up. Um, but we need that in this church. And just as much to the younger people, we need you to step up. We need you to, to take the weight. Look, when, when, when one generation hands off something, there is a weight that comes with that. It's the weight of responsibility. And here we are in a place where the younger generation has to take that weight and say, okay, now it's, now it's my turn to run hard and work a little bit harder than I've been working, right? That's, and so that's where we're at. So, so in this story of David to, to Solomon, that's really gonna be the basis. We're gonna take uh, certain things that David says and, and spread it out over the next three weeks. And it's all coming from the charge that David gives to the, the kingdom of Israel and specifically to his son. And these things are their priorities, their standards that apply to us as, as individuals, all right? And then collectively to us as a church. And uh, it's gonna be good. It's gonna be challenging but it's gonna be really good. And so open up your ears, get ready, and, uh, and, and, and let's build on these things, okay? On these things. First Chronicles 28, verses eight and nine. I'm gonna read them, and then we're gonna break things down for today. It says, now therefore in the sight of all Israel, the assembly of the Lord, and in the hearing of our God, this is David speaking, observe and seek out all the commandments of the Lord your God, that you may possess this good land and leave it, here we go, for an inheritance to your children after you forever. And you, Solomon, my son, know the God of your father and serve him with a whole heart and a willing mind. He's talking to anybody who's anybody in Israel. He's talking to all the leaders. He's talking to the next king and he's laying out what really matters. How many of you know whenever somebody that's older starts speaking and they say, hey, what I'm about to talk about matters, like everybody should stop and listen because you have years of successes and failures and experience and they're opening their mouth and it matters, right? So towards the end of someone's life is some of the richest things that you can hear someone say. And this is what's happening here. So everybody's sitting there listening. And the first thing he says is he says, he says uh, to observe and seek out all the commandments of the Lord your God. And the three things that we're gonna speak about today are pillars that not only has Northwood been built on, just like David's life in the kingdom of Israel, Northwood has been built upon these things, but Northwood is gonna to continue to be established upon these principles, okay? And the first thing is a legacy of obedience. A legacy of obedience. Here at Northwood Church, we have a legacy of obedience. How many of you know that you can look back into your past and in other people's past, and you can see how God works in their or your life, your personal life, and you gain faith for the present? Right, you look back and you're like, you know what? We were in a, we were in a tough spot there, but, but man, we were obedient and God came through and it, and it kind of fuels you for the current situation that you're in. The same thing happens with obedience. When you look back and you say, you know what? It was tough, but I continued to be obedient. And then at the end of the day, it was worth the obedience, right? It was, it was worth it. And he says, he says, Israel, listen up guys, you have to observe and seek out the commandments of the Lord your God. And this is talking about obedience. The thing about obedience is that it really is two, it's two parts to it. Number one, you have to seek out to know how to be obedient. So it says commandments here. Seek the commandments of God. I think a lot of times people are really cool with being completely ignorant about what God says about it, their, how they should live their life. Why? Because ignorance is bliss. Because if I don't know something, I can't be responsible for it. Come on, 
Y'all know, come on America. We, we, we just, we, we'd rather not know than know and have to deal with the outcome or the responsibility of it. So a lot of people, they, they, when it comes to obeying God, they're like, oh yeah, I obey God. But then you look at their life and there's like, are you? Are you, are you really? And really a lot of times it's, they're completely ignorant of what it is that they're doing because they have not sought the commandments of God. Now, a lot of people get caught up in the whole uh, seeking out commandments and they're on a treadmill of performance and there's no grace and, and th- there's this other side of it that's a negative side. However, with believers, people that believe in Jesus, you understand justification. You understand that you're a child of God. And so here's the deal. Like as a good kid, don't you wanna know how to please your dad? Right? Like, like the values of my father, I tend to want to know because they're his values and I want to obey them, but I have to know them. Growing up, come on, what do did, what did parents do? They set the standards of the house, the rules of the house. And whenever you obey the rules as a child in the house, everything is good. Like everything works out. Like there's no animosity, the chores get done, everybody's happy, there's peace in the home. However, as a child, if they start disobeying, what takes place? Man, chaos sometimes, it gets loud. You know, there's discipline that comes in. There's things that come in that have to take place. But w- what's going on? The commandments, the, the rules have been laid out. And God is not, just, he's not like creating commandments for us to, to have to obey. He's not like, I'm pretty bored. I think I'll come up with some things for you to do. They're for our good. It's they're for your protection. They're principles that if you live your life according to them, it ends up being better. A lot of people just like, I don't, want, I don't need rules and regulations and all that. And of course, there is a place where church becomes a bunch of rules and regulations and it, and it gets off and it becomes this religious cycle. I'm not talking about that right now. I'm talking about the, the pure commandments of God that says, hey, if you do these things, like, like it's going to be better for you and, and I'm going to be able to bless you. I'm going to be able to bless you. You're going to have my favor you're gonna have my presence. And that's really what David's saying. Hey guys, you need to seek out the commandments of God. That's right, seek them out, pray. Say, Lord, what is it that I am doing that's not pleasing to you? Reveal it to me. And here's the deal. God reveals things for, for us that we see so that way we can repent, so that way he can restore. God reveals, we repent, he restores. It's so important for us to live that in that cycle. That doesn't stop, by the way. Like that's your life until you die. God's gonna continue to reveal things in your heart and your life, pride and, and, and just wrong motives. And every single time that it comes up, you got a choice to make. Do I repent or do I solidify myself in this? Or do I just remain ignorant and, and turn a blind eye? David's like, that ain't gonna work. Cause David tried to do it. If you know the story of David, he tried to turn a blind eye. He tried to ignore certain things. And at the end of the day, he had to come to a place where he broke. He had to come to a place where God revealed it, sometimes through a prophet showing up in his bedroom saying a story and then catching David in a, in a, in a lie, basically. And then finally David had to repent. But then guess what? God always restores. There's, there's this veil of confusion in people's heart and life today that says, if I confess, something bad's gonna happen. Like judgment's gonna come down. Whenever we live in a time of grace where we repent or we confess and then God just forgives. Is it too good to be true that that still happens? It's not, it's the Bible, y'all. I was talking to somebody recently and they said, it just seems a little bit fake, a little bit too good to be true. <laughs> like I know, isn't it awesome? It's so good. I mean, it's good. 
Because if it's anything but just, it almost doesn't make sense, it's so, so much God, then it becomes about us. And it's not. But God reveals, we repent, and he restores, and he forgives. And so today, first things first, obedience. I think we need to begin to seek out the commands of God. God says, if you love me, you'll obey my commands, okay? And again, that's not a, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. It's more like, if you love me, the natural outflow of your life is just gonna be that you're gonna want to, your desires are gonna be different. Come on, those of you that have been saved, you know that whenever you got saved, your desires changed. And, and that's, that's the big conversion message right there. Is, that's one of the fruits of a changed heart is, it's like, yeah, there's a temptation, but like the true core heart's desire that's inside of you is no longer to fulfill those fleshly desires. Like you look at it and it's dirty. You look at it and it's, it's depleting. It's empty. Sin always looks fun, but in, in the end, it leads to death. Am I right? Come on. It's the, it's the deception of the enemy. And so we seek and we obey. David says, guys, look, It'll be better for you if you continue to seek and obey all the commands of God. And church, listen up. We are gonna continue to be a church that seeks out what God has for us to do and obeys it. And sometimes that doesn't really look easy or it doesn't completely make sense, but how many times have you read in the word of God where God called people to do things that were a little bit strange? Very strange. Why don't you go and uh, go in the water and dip yourself seven times? I don't want to. Well, then it's not going to go well for you, all right? right? I mean, uh, there's tons and tons of things that God said. Put your hand in your jacket, Moses. Put it in there. Bring it out, right? Like just all sorts of crazy things. But if your heart is to please God, just like you would somebody that you love, right? Somebody that you love. If you're married and you have a, a functioning marriage, you desire to know what pleases your spouse so that way you can please them, Right? You can obey them. <laughs> you can do what's needed in order to provide a good, stable environment for growth. Some of you, that's like, I obey. I know my place, you know. <laughs> but that's what this thing's about. And, and, and I want to say this. Every single one of you, your obedience matters. Your individual obedience to God's voice speaking into your life matters. Have you ever like been planning a party or planning to go out and everybody's all excited about it? And then you got that one person that's like, I don't want to go. <laughs> what, what is that? Like after you get over wanting to slap them because they're always that person, you know what I'm talking about? The party pooper. You know? You're like, dude, why do you always have to be? Because they ruin the environment, man. They ruin the moment. Yeah. All right. It's like everybody's excited and then <laughs> there's that. <laughs> So what do you do? You end up, you stop inviting them. That's what you do. You just start, you take them out the text group, whatever it is, you know what I'm saying? Like, oop, accidentally, something happened on my phone. I had to start a new group, you know? Where's so-and-so? I don't know. They just didn't make it to this group, you know? Y'all know what I'm talking about. That's how we work nowadays. But uh, this is kind of like how disobedience matters. In this church, I want you to know that your individual life affects this community. Your individual life, your obedience to God and your disobedience to God affects this house. In, this, in, in the Bible, there's a story of a man named uh, Achan. 
And what happens is the, the children of Israel are, are taking ground, man. And y'all know the story of Jericho where they yelled and they, all the walls fell down. It was this fortified place that they had no chance of taking, but God came through. And God said, I don't want you to take any of the spoils of Jericho. I want you to leave that. That's mine. Don't touch it. And, uh, and so they move on to the next town. And it's this little town called Ai. And many of you know this story, but it's one of the most fabulous stories in the Bible. They go and, and they say, you know what? We don't have to send everybody to Ai because it's such a small place. It should be pretty easy. So they're all chilling out. These guys go out and they get defeated. Men start dying and they start freaking out. Because they're like, we just took, and God, and God, where are you? The leaders are saying, God, where are you? What's going on? Come to find out there was one guy, the party pooper, right? <laughs> Named Aiken. What he did is he, he said, nobody's going to miss a few things. He took it and he went and buried some things under his tent. And he buried it and everybody keeps going on with the party like everything's cool and God's still with them. And they didn't know that the favor of God had been removed off of their life. So they just figured, we'll just keep moving on and God will be with us like he always has, not realizing that compromise had taken place. And whenever they tried to step out, you could call it faith. Stepping out in faith, there was sin in the camp and it destroyed people's lives and it caused the whole camp to be shaken. And let me tell you something, some of you in your personal life, you've had some Jerichos, buddy. I mean, you can look back in your life and you're like, man, it was just mountains that I overcame. I, I, I got saved when I was seven. I, I preached at the cafeteria when I was 12 and I saw people like limbs grow back. I saw crazy, I mean, massive things. And now you're like 40 and you're still talking about the Jerichos, but now every AI that you try to encounter, you fail at. That's so good. Why? Maybe there's some gold under a tent somewhere in the camp. And as a church, here we are. Come on, the children of Israel. We're gonna take South Mississippi. We're gonna go. We're gonna. And then what happens whenever there's people with gold under the tent? You cannot take very much ground without the favor of God. Actually, you can't take any. Because what happens is if you gain ground out of your own ability and your own talent, it's temporary. So as a church, in our personal lives, it's time for God to search us, just like we're searching for him, and say, God, where's the gold under the tent in my life? Because what I don't wanna do is rah, 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 I'm gonna do all this, and I step out and I realize that God's 10 steps behind me saying, no, you forgot about you forgot about this. Remember that thing that I revealed to you? Yeah, yeah, we need to take care of that first before we go on and, and take the mountain. And as a church, I believe it's so important for us to realize that we're not just a, an ambiguous building, but we're individuals that make up a body. And until every single one of us realizes that and takes that responsibility, we're gonna struggle to accomplish what it is that God has called us to do obedience. Let's seek out as a church what it is that God has us to do and let's obey in our personal walks with God and as a corporate body. That's what we're doing this Wednesday night. So what we're doing. This, what does it look like to search out for God? It looks like we pray. It looks like we pray. And as a body, this is what happens. This is what happens. Sunday morning is a pretty good crowd. But when it comes to prayer meetings, nobody shows up. 
I'm just going to be honest. Can, is it cool if we be real in church? Nobody shows up, which is cool because at least you know, you know where some people are at. But, but I think it's, it's not about showing up. We want a big crowd of people. It's about the desires, like the desires, like the desire to pray with the body of Christ. Like this is biblical stuff. Like this is just straight up Bible. People getting together, like yearning for that, like desiring to be arm in arm with people where you're praying for their lives and you're praying for what it is that God has for you to do together. Like just that pure desire to wanna do that. That believers have that. Believers have that. But what happens is we get very distracted. And how many of you, if you could be honest today, that most of your prayers are all about your life. It's all about your life. It's like, Lord, I pray for my, God, I pray that next time that I, Lord, I pray that you would provide for my, it's always me and it hardly ever has to do with anybody else. It's selfish prayer. However, whenever we seek the heart of God, usually it has nothing to do with us. He's like, look, I'm gonna take care of all the stuff that you need. Don't worry about that. I'll provide your daily bread. It's gonna be fine. Stop worrying about that because I've got bigger fish for you to fry. So let's start praying about that and I'll add all those things to you, right? Perspective, guys. Seek and obey. We gotta keep moving on. The next thing here at Northwood and something that David said we must continue to have is a legacy of worship. He says, Solomon, my son, this is in the NLT, learn to know the God of your ancestors intimately or closely. Worship and serve him with your whole heart and a willing mind. Worship and serve him with a whole heart and a willing mind. When you're close to someone, don't you take on their attributes. When you hang out with somebody enough, you kind of start looking and smelling and, and acting like them. Am I right? I mean, smell like you smell their cologne. You're like, oh, that's pretty good stuff. I've done that a lot. Like, dude, what's the name of that? I gotta give me some of that, you know? And it smells completely different on me, but that's neither here nor there, all right? You take on the attributes of somebody that you're close to, and David says, Solomon, you wanna have the attributes of God? You need to be close to him. You need to worship him. You need to know who he is, like in an intimate and a close way, not in a distant way, not like, like I know celebrities, like I know their names and I know about them, but I don't know them and they don't know me. And that's what Matthew talks about where, where God says, whenever people stand before him, they're gonna be like, we did all these things in your name. Like we prayed and prophesied and healed people. And he's gonna be like, I never knew you, man. He's like, I, I didn't know you. That's one of the, the, the scariest scriptures I believe in the Bible. Because I haven't like cast any demons out lately. I'm gonna be honest with you. Like I haven't seen any healings directly whenever I pray directly right there. And God says like, even if you're doing those cool things, like it doesn't mean that you necessarily know me right? That should shake you just a little bit. That should cause you to kind of look at your life and say, okay, let me not just look at all the things I'm doing, but how am I being? What am I worshiping? And when we talk about worship, there's really two aspects of worship. One is lifestyle worship, how you live your life. How you live your life is like a living sacrifice. That's what the Bible talks about, that you are a living sacrifice in the way that you live your life. And, and this is a deal in America. We're not all about sacrifices. Whenever you talk about sacrifices, usually it's some sort of like cult thing and weird. And we don't, I'm not no sacrifice. You know what I'm saying? It's weird stuff. Let's, let's, let's kind of change that out a little bit. I want you to begin to think of your life like your life is burning fuel for God. Like your life is literally, what the Bible talks about our life is a vapor, right? It's, it's very, I mean, it's here and it's gone, but we're a living sacrifice, meaning our life is being used up 
for the purpose of God. So every day that you live, you're burning for something. You could say you're worshiping something. You're living your life for, you're putting value on something. Every day, yesterday, what you spent your life on is what you burned your life on. So what are you burning your life on? And is it, it is, is it a sacrifice for God or is it for yourself or for whatever it is that, that fulfills you completely? What is your life burning for? Because we're all burning right now, right. right? Like today, when you leave, the way that you act, the way, like how you talk to people, all of those things is your life burning, what is it producing? See, as a, as a unit, whenever we all decide to burn our lives to advance the kingdom of God, that's what happens. Because God uses people. Don't ask me why, all right? He could have done a lot better job flying solo, but he chooses to use people. But guess what? It's completely on us whether we obey that or not. And, and our life looks like our time and our abilities and our, and our talents and all these things. And basically worship says, God, I'm gonna lay all that down in order to do something for you. And whenever we let our lives burn for the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is propelled forward. You know why? Because it looks like ministry. It looks like Tuesday night prayer. It looks like, it looks like Friday night small group. Those moments where you step in as a believer, as somebody that has had successes and failures with God and you have experience and God has been faithful to you and you are faithful to transfer that and minister to somebody else with that. that. That builds people's lives. So therefore you're building the kingdom of God. Like that's what it looks like. It's very simple. It's really not like the kingdom of God, the way that God operates is really not that complicated. But sometimes we like to complicate things in order to not have to really be accountable for them. Am I right? The other thing is corporate worship. When we come together, what we just did, a lot of times when you say worship, that's what people are referring to is, is music. Even though there's not really a, a word in the Bible for worship that actually correlates to music. Okay, so in case you're looking for that, you're not gonna really find it very much. Okay, it's about putting worth on something. But whenever we worship, the songs that we sing, by the way, God created music. He created songs. He created instruments. He created lighting. He created atmospheres. He created environments. Look, whenever it came to the temple, they put a lot of effort into building that temple properly and then making, putting it in such a way that God's glory could fill that place whenever the people would worship, right? His glory would come upon them. And David says, you need to know God. You need to worship him. And as a body, this church has been built upon worship. What we just did a few minutes ago, a bunch of people who realize the value of coming together and singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs together and seeking God with the body of Christ. Let me tell you something, you can seek God on your own. You can worship on your own, but I'm telling you, you're not gonna experience what it's like to stand in the, in the body of Christ, surrounded by people who are like-minded and like-hearted, who are all going after God by shouting and lifting up the name of Jesus. There's not many environments like that, yeah. And look, some of you I know have been taught throughout your life that, that whenever you're in a worship environment, that first of all, a certain type of style of music might be wrong or a, a certain look of the building might be wrong. It might be a concert. I just like to say that, that pretty much God created everything 
And so humanity is just tapping into what God created and using it either to advance their own agenda or to advance his. And so I believe that it's tools in the hand and I think it's the heart that determines what the result is because God blesses it and anoints it, right? So when it comes to style and all that, put all that to the side because style is gonna change. Y'all, in, in 10 years, everything's gonna look different all over again. Come on, let's get real. You know what I'm saying? At one point, it was a big deal to have a fluorescent light in a building. You got lights? You got fluorescents? I don't know about all those. I like, I like candles. You know, I mean, it's like, what's it gonna be in three years? It's gonna be something else. Anyway, so, so as a church, whenever we worship, we clap, all right? Which everybody claps everywhere else in all humanity. Okay, like every, everywhere you go, like kids get excited. So like, it's all cool everywhere else except inside the church. Like that's where people are like, I don't slam my hands together. I don't do that, that's weird. But yet, you know, like Bama throws it. They're going nuts, they're super excited. But yet in church, it's like, I see people, and sorry, I didn't see anybody in this service, so I'm not accountable for it, but literally have a cup of coffee in their hand. <laughs> you are good. <laughs> right? I have a feeling that maybe you're not connecting with what we're doing. <laughs> Just a hunch. Whenever I go to a football game and somebody's standing in the bleachers and they're like this, I say that they could care less about being there. Pretty simple. When it comes to church, it's okay to, oh no, I'm super excited. God's been really good. Nowhere in all humanity, like no, nowhere does that apply except the church. Religion. Rolling up in church, standing in a chair, check it off the block, move on, and it doesn't affect Monday through Saturday. It doesn't affect Sunday afternoon. Some of you today are gonna go to saints parties and you're gonna get plastered. You're gonna get plastered. You're gonna do it. You're gonna drink way too much. And then tomorrow you're gonna regret it. You're gonna regret it. You'll be like, oh my gosh. But you came to church. Can we be real? Oh no, everybody in here, nobody does that. <laughs> There's like a thing called social media. Kind of everybody puts it out there for you to see. You're good, you're good. Dude, that's not even. Does it affect every day or is it just for today? That's what worship is. See, that's where lifestyle worship like fuels corporate worship. And again, as a body, if we're all on the same page, if we're united, when we come together, it's powerful. First Wednesday times three, you know why it was so good and so powerful? Because that's a bunch of people with the same heart, which is what are we gonna do for the kingdom of God? What are we gonna do to leave a legacy? That's why. I think it'd be awesome for every Sunday morning, for every service that we have, to feel like those services. Like to where it's not, oh man, this morning was awesome. And then the next week, eh. What's the difference? Let me tell you, God hasn't changed. God, God's not farther away. It's gotta be us, right? 
Maybe we haven't pursued the presence of God since last week. So when we come together, like we're completely distracted with our lives. And you know what? A lot of things in our life that distract us, it's actually legit. There's a lot of things that we encounter that cause us to be uh, downtrodden and, and heavy hearted. However, spiritual people worship through that. Let me tell you this, the strongest times that I worship and press into God are the, some of the worst times of my life. I'm telling you. That's where you, you reach out and God is the anchor to your soul. So don't look at worship lightly. Just a couple of scriptures for those of you who maybe think that clapping your hands and maybe even taught this lifting your hands and all that is not biblical. I mean, Psalm 47, one, clap your hands, all people shout to God with loud songs of joy. It's in the Bible, Psalm 134, two, lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. By the way, when you worship, it's all about ministering to God, not about him ministering to you. You might get something out of it but it's about ministering to God. That's what, it, that's what it talks about. Psalm 61, one and eight, hear my cry, O God, listen to my prayer. So will I ever sing praises to your name? One thing I love about the Psalms is they'll, they'll, they'll complain in the first six verses and talk about how hellacious their life is. And then immediately, yet will I praise you. Like yet will I, I'll, I'll shout for joy. How can you shout for joy when you're crying? If you've never been there before, then you don't know, but you can. You can shout through the pain. What we just did, some of you, I guarantee you were crying. You're saying you are good, even though right in the back of your mind, you're like, I've been saying all week and questioning God on his goodness. But you press through it. Northwood has been established to passionately and expressively worship God, both in our lives and in our services. And so look, if you never raise your hand, if you never clap, next week, this, this Wednesday night, but over the next course of the next few weeks, I want you to begin to step out a little bit. Just... Like, clap. There was a lady that, she, uh, she's from Wiggins, Rhonda. She was up here on the stage last week. And uh, when she first came to Northwood up in Wiggins, like, it was, what well, you just didn't. You didn't raise your hands. You didn't clap. It was, it was a big deal. Like, theologically, you don't. And, uh, and so it was like, everybody around her is doing stuff. She's like, oh, this is weird, you know? And then she was like, so I did the whole, like, <laughs> you know? hiding behind people's shoulders, nobody sees me, everything's good, you know? She's like, this is awesome. And then it's like, I'm gonna close my eyes. Like, whoa. And then, and then a little bit more, and guess what? Every step was more and more freedom. And you can try to calculate it and do whatever you wanna do in your own mind, but there's something about expressively worshiping God that breaks something in here. We'll know one day. But for right now, I just know it's true. I know it's what the Bible says we should do. And now guess what? She's jumping all over the place, excited about what God has done and is doing in her life. Come on. The last thing that David says is you need to serve God with your whole heart and a willing mind. We have a legacy of serving here at Northwood Church and we will continue to have a legacy of serving. And it's actually gonna grow. How many of you know that the, the, the more you grow, the more you can do? right? The, 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 you have more resources, you have more effect, you can help more people. So as we grow, the, the, what God, what you do with the little God gives you more so you could do the same thing with more, okay? So like if you're faithful with the little, he, he's going to give you more so you can be faithful to the same degree, if not more, with what he's given you. And so we're going to continue to serve, but it's got to be a serving with our whole heart and our whole mind. Basically, whenever you say, I want to serve, you're, to serve, basically you're saying, I'm available. 
To serve somebody is to say, I'm available to help you, to come alongside you, to support you, to do whatever. Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. We're created to do good. Did y'all know that? We're created to serve. That's what we're created to do. If we weren't, God wouldn't have talked about it so much and encouraged us to do it. Jesus wouldn't have done it himself. We are created to serve. And really, when you're available to serve, you're basically saying, I'm available to serve anything or anyone with my talent, my passion, my skill. Some of you are so talented and so skillful, but what you do is you, you separate your physical abilities from your spiritual capabilities. And so you say, I'll pray, I'll do all the things that nobody sees. But when it comes to actually stepping out and physically doing something, showing up for something, that's where the line stops for me. And God says, look, like you were created to do good, that, you, that your faith would fuel your works. Saved people can't help but serve people. Saved people serve people. Ask yourself, when's the last time that I have served someone? And at first, right now, I'm talking about in any way, shape, or form. Any way, shape, or form. Anything or anyone says I'm available to serve any time. That's a big one. Any time. Call me between the hours of five and six on Thursday afternoons and I might help. That is not a servant's heart. Now you should have boundaries in your life. Protect, you know, you don't want to squander your life. However, that is a slippery slope because once you start protecting your time, you're protecting your life and you might be protecting it from what God wants you to do. So anything, anyone, anytime says, I'll do it at any cost. It's talking about your treasure. Your time is the currency of your life. Our treasure is literal currency. And now look, I know that a lot of people have abused that over the years. Come on, we're in a church. Let's not act like we don't know what's up. A lot of people have taken money that people have given out of the goodness of their heart, being obedient to Christ, and they've used it to, they've squandered it. They've, they've mishandled it. They've abused it. They've manipulated people. Well, if you want that blessing, you got to fill my pockets. You know what I'm talking about? That is unbiblical. It's wrong. You cannot base the next church that you go to and what they speak of and what they're going for, what they're talking about upon those things. You have to be healed from that. And really what it, you have to trust again. And it's hard, don't get me wrong. I think, that, I think that you should know what a church is giving and doing with their money. I think that it is good. However, some people take that and they're like, I wanna see every single penny. And say, well, that might be a weird kind of, you know, kind of weird. However, guess what? Y'all know what we do. You can see it, three locations, growing churches, debt-free, giving away money to the poor, giving away money to our community. And if you don't think that the body of Christ and, and, and the children of Israel, right? Like, like giving money and bringing, bringing things together in order to do things as a community and as a church and as the kingdom, as the kingdom, like go read your Bible. It's all throughout there. The kingdom of God is, is very hard to move forward without money. It really is. The lights and the, the AC, it doesn't magically just stay on. We pay a bill every month for it to stay on, all right? Sometimes the AC doesn't work as good as others and we're working on that, but you know, that's like another 50 grand to change out the AC units for this place. So, (laughs) 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 but that's what, let me tell you something. None of y'all would be here right now if the AC wasn't on. 
I just tell you, be like, well, we could, we could bless God. We could do, no. You wouldn't want to be in here. You wouldn't keep your kids over there without AC. It's America. What are we talking about, man? Anything, anyone, anytime, any cost, and then anywhere. God, wherever you want us to go, we'll go. You want us to plan a location? We'll do it. Is it going to take more time and energy? And yeah. <laughs> when we start at Long Beach, yeah. There's a lot of people that, that some of you are back here now because you went spend a year driving 30 minutes every week to go serve in kids ministries every single week to get that place off the ground. Yeah, it took a lot more work. That's the cost that we're talking about. Serving, look, there was a lady and, and some of you are gonna be like, there ain't no way I would ever do that. There was a lady, she was in, she's in Long Beach and she, uh, she serves in the kids ministry. And on Christmas Eve, there was a shortage of people to serve. Imagine that. <laughs> That was a joke. Uh, everybody blocks out for Christmas Eve, but somebody got to work. Somebody got to serve, right? Anyway, so she's in Montgomery. She said, I'm going to drive back Christmas Eve morning. I'm going to serve. I'm going to turn around and go back that afternoon. That's exactly what she did. Why? She's like, I love my team. I love my church. and I love those kids. So if that challenges you, which it challenges me and my heart, right? Take it and say, wow, there's people that are, that are that committed. That's right. That's what you build on. That's, that type of commitment is what marriages make, how marriages that are on the rocks make it through. People that say, I'm gonna stay even though it's difficult. That's what builds anything, commitment. We're gonna serve as a church. We're gonna serve individually because if we serve individually, we are serving corporately. So I said this a couple of times, but how the member goes is how the church goes. And I want you to understand that. That is so important for every single one of you, even though those of you that have been around for two, three months, to realize that like, this is a community where we serve, where we are active. We're active, man, okay? And, and, and we, we obey God, we serve God, we worship God to the best of our ability. Is it always gonna be perfect? Of course not. There's no church out there that is. However, when your motives are pure and you're doing your best, somehow it always works out, right? Somehow God's favor is upon it. And so we're gonna continue to step out in faith. We're gonna seek God, we're gonna obey him. But look, it takes all of us. This isn't a pastor-led church. This isn't a pastor-only church. The guy at the pulpit has the reins to everything. No, no, no. This is a community. So like for you, your life, if you're not living obedient right now, today's the day where it's time to change. If you haven't been worshiping God with your life, if you're not burning for God in the right direction, today's this time to change, right? God reveals, we repent, he restores. And if you haven't been serving, and I wanna say that in the church and outside of the church, I believe that every single person that calls it, if, if you say, yeah, I go to Northwood, like what that should mean is yes, I also serve at Northwood. Like that's what that means. Like, right? Yeah. Like if you're a part of this family, that's what you do. From the parking lot to the pulpit, there's many teams to get on and be active in. But this is what, this is, and this is a challenging message and we're almost done. But whenever newer people or people that have uh, decided to back out of ministering, and serving in a church body right now I'm talking about, they, they fall. As that number grows, what happens is the people that are right here, the team leaders, the, the small group leaders, the, the coordinators, those people, they begin to get burnt because they are having to step in for people who like, I uh, can't make it that week uh, or just straight up don't show up. And I don't think it's like a, I, I think it's a heart condition. I think it's a, it's a lack of understanding of what we're involved in and significance of it. That's in the church. 
Now let's take that same thing and put it out in the community. I can, I'm, just gonna, I'm just gonna say that probably if somebody doesn't serve in their own family, in their own church, they probably, they probably don't serve outside the church. Probably, consistently. I'm not talking about like you gave a dollar to one person like seven weeks ago and the time before that was like seven years ago. That's not consistent. And that's not the lifestyle that God's called us to. This is a community, y'all. We're a body, we're a team. And it hurts whenever some people aren't involved, right? Y'all with me on that? Come on, just take it. I know it's a challenge, I know it's a, ah. but it's true. And some of you today, the first thing you need to do is say, I'm gonna take a step towards Jesus. Because if you don't know God, if you don't have a relationship with him, the best you can be is a Pharisee versus a follower. The best you could do is you could try to work it out and, and you might be, have a duty-led life versus delighting in God. The Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord. But if you don't know God for real, like I know a celebrity, right? If you don't know God intimately, closely, you might do things out of the wrong motive and it's to, it's to like appease something versus doing life with God. And I, I wanna challenge all of you, if you're in this place right now and you don't have a relationship with God, you don't know God, you're not close to him. When I say those words, you're like, yeah, it's me, I don't. Today's the day that you can repent. You can turn towards God and he will, his, his favor, his presence will come upon, upon your life again. Let's bow our heads, I wanna pray for you. If you're in this place and you don't know God, maybe you've walked away from him in the last few years. Maybe, you, maybe you've never really truly committed to God. Right now, I'm gonna say a prayer and I want you to, I want you to say it in your own words. I want you to connect with your God and repent because God has revealed some things in this room today, but it's our responsibility to repent. But I want you to know that he's faithful to restore you. God, right now I come before you humbly. God, I'm broken inside. I don't know you. I've been distant from you. And God, I know that today is the day that I need to repent because God, I need your redemption. I need your restoration. I've tried it on my own. It has not worked. So today, God, I put my successes and my failures at your feet and ask for you to fill my life. I accept what Jesus did on the cross for me, dying for my sin. I thank you for your restorative power and I receive it for myself. You're good, you're faithful, you're loving, and I receive that today. Now for all of us in this place, we're all believers. Some of us have been very convicted about obedience or worshiping, whether it's lifestyle or corporately, maybe it's serving in the community or serving in this church. God works through conviction a lot of times and conviction is not hopeless. Conviction has hope attached to it. And so many of you, you're in this place, you're feeling conviction, which is like a nudge. There's tension in your heart. And right now, let me tell you how easy it is. All you have to do is repent and say yes. So God, search our hearts. Show us anything that displeases you this morning. We open up our will for you to break it so that our will can be yours. We open up our hearts. If they're stony, would you remove those stony hearts and place inside of our, our, ourselves a heart that hears and responds to your voice. Lord, we wanna stand at the end of our lives at your throne and hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. It's our desire. So we seek you with all that we are. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, come on, can we give it up for all those who gave their hearts to God today? Thanks so much for watching Northwood Church. Wherever you're watching from, we want you to know that we consider you family. We as a church wanna help people know God. And our hope is that today you are encouraged and closer to God through this program. 
If you just prayed that prayer, first let me say congratulations. Starting your relationship with God is the best decision you can make, but it's also just a start, and we want to help you on your journey of faith. If you're watching and you want to become a partner in what God is doing in South Mississippi through Northwood Church, you can give simply by texting the amount you want to give to the number 228-215-3421. Again, that number is 228-215-3421. By giving, you're helping local food pantries, women's resource centers, missions, outreaches, and so much more. Even just $5 can go a long way. Again, text the amount to 228-215-3421. Northwood is one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and Long Beach, Mississippi, and we'd love to see you there. You can check out our website, northwood.tv, for service times and directions. Be sure to connect with us at northwood.tv or on social media to stay up to date with all the exciting things happening around Northwood Church. Thank you for watching, and we hope to see you soon.